Welcome, friends. This episode today is full of both sadness and happiness and joy (laughs) as I come to you actually on the day that someone close to me is honoring someone close to them's life (laughs) in another part of the planet, no less. My friend Javulo lost his grandfather this last weekend. He went home. He had been here for a study abroad program through the State Department. And so he went home a little bit early. And the state, the nation of South Africa, decided to give his grandfather a, a, a state funeral. Jabulo's grandfather had been very significant to me. Jabulo um, was the grandson of a man who inspired millions through his photographs. I recently gave a speech in one of my Toastmasters club that talked about how this man's photograph was a tool of leadership in my life. And it grounded me and gave me roots that I never had prior to that moment. So what I would like for you to do first, before we get into our guests, is listen to my speech as it really talks about all the aspects of who I am in relation to this beautiful day that we honor a man who had lived a life of servitude to humanity. And that's what it's all about. So take a listen. I want to start with asking you, what do you think of when somebody says, oh, they're a leader? What do you think? What do you think, Amy? Decisive. Okay. Um, that there is um, high position in High position in an organization. What else? What else makes a leader? Inspiring others. Inspiring others? Christina, what's a leader? Delegates. Delegates? <laughs> it's interesting that some of the terms you're using have more to do with a boss or someone who has a position of authority over others, and some of you are using words that are more about conceptual ideas of guiding people along. And that's where leadership gets kind of, you know, gummed up in our understanding. So I wanted to do this speech a little bit differently and not just talk about the different styles of leadership and how we can do things. For me, leadership is not something that you can be given a title and have. A leader, in my mind, is someone who subtly inspires and changes your life and creates some kind of legacy. Let me back up a minute and talk a little bit about where I came from as a child. As a child, I had no influence of leadership. By the time I was 12 or 13, I looked at the world and saw a future that was very bleak and and non-inspiring. I had no expectation that I would do anything amazing in life or even come close to living my own personal story and write my own pen or as I use someone else had stolen my thunder of life. And I didn't have any idea 
what I could do. That was until my eighth grade world history class. Mr. Guth was an amazing teacher. He taught us all about the happenings all over the world through time. He talked about Anne Frank, of course, considered a great leader despite her not actually stepping up and having any role and dying as a child even. But her diary lives on as an inspirational leadership tool that has changed an entire understanding of a situation. During that same year, I also learned about a man in South Africa. Actually, it wasn't really about the man that I learned. It was about the movement that his photograph inspired, or not inspired, but brought to the world's attention. During that year, 1988, 1989, I was either 12 or 13. I don't remember exactly when in the year he introduced this topic. I don't remember if the photograph was in our textbook or in a magazine or something he brought in. This was long before the internet, so it wasn't obviously on the screen. The picture captured my image, captured my mind, and it etched itself in there. And for the next 30 years till now, it's still etched in my mind. That picture was of a man carrying a boy about 12 years old who was dying from an uprising in June of 1976. His sister, the boy who was being carried, sister was following close behind, screaming, hopeful that this effort on this part of this man carrying this child would save the child's life. Ultimately, it didn't save the child's life, but he tried. That man was an, a leader in and of himself. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the man who took the picture. I don't remember what all we learned about the man behind the picture or not at that time. I've learned a lot since then, especially in the last year. But at the time, it brought the attention of apartheid in South Africa to the world stage. When I saw that picture, I knew I had to do something to help not let that kind of thing ever happen again. So at 12 or 13 years old, I started getting involved in the movement against apartheid because of one person's actions of taking a photograph. I worked for the next seven to 10 years until the 90s when apartheid was officially abolished. I gave up my favorite soda because that was on the boycott list. I helped guide clubs I was in in high school to be part of the movement simply because of this photograph. If this man could risk his life to take a picture and share the story of a 12-year-old that would die, how could I not step up and also try to make change? Even though it wasn't a lot of change, it wasn't a big part of anything, but I've since learned that even the small parts that we put in, the little bit we do, ultimately can have big impact. Obviously, because of because the global aspect of the movement to end apartheid helped to create the change and ultimately end it. What I didn't know then is that the man behind the photograph spent a majority of his years until the end of apartheid in how, under house arrest. Luckily, he didn't die. There was a death warrant out for him. But when he was finally found, they decided to put him under house arrest instead. I don't know all the details. I wasn't there. And not everything ever makes it into the history books. But fast forward. Okay. This man 
who inspired me through his photograph. I had lost his name, but I never lost the image of the picture. Back in August, well, actually more last July, July of 2017, I signed up to be a social host for a program at my, the college I teach at. And in this program, I would serve as a kind of a guide for someone from another country, depending on where it was from. They happened to assign me to a young man from South Africa. I'm sitting with him on the first day, and I say to him, your name sounds so familiar. Where would I have heard your last name? And he says, well, maybe you've heard of my grandfather. He's a photographer in South Africa. And I go, hmm. I pull up the picture. His very, his own grandfather was the man behind the picture. The man who had taken the picture that shaped my entire life of social service. Not only that, but I became a photographer because of that picture. I went on to go into other countries and take pictures of protests and movements and risk my own life to get the picture out. And here sat his grandson, having been raised and inspired by a leader who didn't even know or try to be a leader. And that's what a leader is. Someone who doesn't know or try, but they do what's right and just live their life. And whatever role they take, if it's, a, if it's an actual role that they've been assigned, they do it with dignity, honor, and ethics to make the world or the organization or whatever it is just a little bit better. And that's what Sam Nazima did. He made a choice to stay and take a photograph in a space where there was bullets flying because he knew it needed to be captured so that people knew. Sam passed away this last weekend. <laughs> My birthday gift from Jabulo, his grandson, was to talk to him back in February. I got to speak to my hero. When he passed away this weekend, I happened to be with Jabula when he got the news. And I was there for him as his grandfather had been there for me, even if just through a photograph. I learned in the last couple days that he, his grandfather Sam, is going to be given a state funeral for his role in helping to end apartheid in South Africa. That is a leader. Someone who is honored for their roles without even trying. I encourage you all to, as you go forth today, as we have our elections, or as you go into your jobs, just remember, think about what impact you're having, small or large, and be the leader that example has made. That was indeed a speech. In fact, I went over a little bit on time, but everybody seemed to be captivated by the story, so that's okay with me. Of course, anybody in Toastmasters knows trying to be within time is very important uh, because you never know where you'll be and what time constraints you have speaking. And when, when I speak out in public and do keynote presentations, I always try to stay in tune. But this particular speech was very close to me, and there were a few moments where I was choking up and lost my words and lost my way and had to reiterate and get back to where I was meaning to go. But it really did capture 
the feeling I was trying to get at. This idea that we are interconnected and you don't need to try to be a leader. And the roots that you, you set for someone are very important. And that kind of fits with the theme of this episode, no roots. You know, the idea is I, prior to seeing that photograph, I had no roots. Yes, I had my mother and my father, as best you can call them in my life, but they weren't really roots for me. They just kind of existed. And after seeing that photo and going and looking for ways to help make a situation better, I finally had roots. Well, I didn't know I had roots at the time. It took 30-something years until meeting Jabulo Nazima to really know that I had roots. And so I'm very thankful to that. Right now, we're going to turn to that interview with Jabulo Nazima. Uh, we were on our way to the airport so he could go see his family and honor his grandfather's life. I'm here with one of my favorite people in the world, Jabulo. Hey, hey, Bunny Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on our way to the airport because you had to go home a little bit early. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, I just told the story about our connection. Um, his grandfather passed away this last weekend, and so we made sure he can go home to be there with his family. Of course, I consider him family too. Yeah. So. I'm going to interview him, though, about his time here in America and also ask him some questions about his grandfather. I want him to be able to reminisce a little bit. So, so Jabula, will you tell our friends listening who you are and what brought you here to America? Well, I'm Jabula Nzima. So my full name is Emmanuel Jabula Nzima, which means God with us in happiness and in difficult times. And right now, as a family, we're facing a difficult time. And that's where God really shows his hand upon the family. So prior to being here, um, I was studying uh, civil engineering in South Africa. And then an opportunity came up of this program, which my aunt, Lizzie John, she sent me the applications uh, to apply to this program. And I took that opportunity. I'm like, I'm definitely doing it, my dad. Was called me that same day is like I support this fully 100% my mom also followed up calling that son go for this try your best in it and I started to apply and the reason for me to apply to this particular pro- program was I wanted to, to develop myself and also to grow my mindset in a way and to see the world in a different point of view and to see how things are done in other countries and also grow my leadership skills the program also provides leadership skills and also to broaden my English. Your English is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what exactly is the program you applied for? It's a community college initiative program. And that's through the state department, right? Yes, that's through this. It's funded by the state department. Yeah. And and the key purpose behind it is to bring people from all over the world all to over the world. So I, I, I like to see it as a, a model of the UN. Okay. Because um, there's no better experience than having to interact with different cultures and see how you climatize yourself in that particular area. And how you also interact with different people because they have different ways of doing things. And how you get along 
and how you form relationships out of that that's very much precious that is precious i like that analogy model un yeah. uh, what do you think kayla kayla is there they're basically their mother while they're here in the states what mama do you mama kayla mama kayla what do you think of that idea with it being the I, model un i agree with him 100 percent. and you know they represent their countries so well and we have the opportunity to learn from them and they have the opportunity to learn from us and boy i will say i've learned a lot from you I, I i have i, I also know. learned a lot yeah uh, I, I had the pleasure of being Jabulo's social host while he's here. Uh, someone who, you know, helps with any culture shock or just being there when you need a friend. And I, I feel like I've become more than just a friend with this young man who has a, this amazing future built on a legacy of amazing things. And generations before him have done amazing things, you know, um, as I said in my introduction to this episode, you know, his grandfather was significant in my life, and obviously he was significant in your life. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your grandfather. It's okay well, to be sappy. My, 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 <laughs> when, when, when I look at my grandfather back at home, they see him as an iconic figure um, that changed um, the society of the country through his uh, photography. But to me, growing up, it never clicked who he was. I just see him as my grandfather and even at a later stage in my life when I was 17 um, you know my friends be asking me that's why I normally don't say hey my grandfather is Sam Zima who took the iconic picture because to me I do not really relate in that particular platform and as we were growing up he's he was someone who when we used to visit him at a young age he used to test our intellectual ability and he used to love reading a lot of books. So there's a chair he used to like sitting on and on the side of the chair was books. And he's a living in, in encyclopedia. Mm. So when you go to him and sit down, he will narrate everything from the past to the present. So a very good storyteller. And when he tells his stories, you feel like you're living them. So that's how he was as a grandfather and very humble very friendly and every time you would see him you would always have a camera on him and that passion he went on with it for the rest of his life so if you are to visit him it's a picture you leave it's a picture you do something it's a picture yeah. uh, you know you're an embodiment of him right <laughs> Well, I guess so. <laughs> you are. You when you tell a story, you captivate people, and you have this humbleness about you that's just defining, infectious. infectious. Yes, Kayla, infectious. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were, you reminded me of things about myself that I'd forgotten, that I'd lost somehow, and I have been working to get them back and it's only because of meeting you and being reminded of where my roots were yeah okay actually you know it's kind of funny i just i was trying to figure out a song title to put with this episode because every episode of the podcast you know has a song title mm -hmm. and i'm thinking the song no roots have you heard that song yet no um it's a it's a new song it's all about having no roots and no connection to anything and and it's sort of um 
an ironic title because this is all about roots mm -hmm. and I'd lost my roots but and that's the point of the song not having them but making them anyway burying things all over the world yeah. to find be able to find yourself again when you get lost and yeah. and that's kind of what you and when you talk about uh, roots uh, I just remember one particular moment in my life where I had a down low um, I didn't want to do school anymore. Uh, I just wanted to quit pursuing any dreams I had. And my grandfather and my grandmother changed the dynamics of my thoughts into pursuing something in life. And I spent, <coughs> I spent most of my time with them during that time. And they really brought me up and motivated me into pursuing uh, something that's that has purpose in life. So when you talk about roots, I just think of the roots that they've given me into uh, pushing my life forward. Yeah. You want to know a, fu a funny thing? Mm -hmm. That's what your grandfather taught me 30 exactly. years ago, is yeah. to have passion and roots and, and to live your life with purpose. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I had lost prior to meeting you. That's true. Yeah. And, and I'm really clear <laughs> that happened. And you know, it's it's funny, if anyone out there is listening and doesn't realize that there really is some cosmic something or other, whether you call it God or something else, this story of how Jabubo and I met, just in a random happenstance, is proof that everything is connected over mm -hmm. time, over space, over everything. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So let's shift back to you know your time here in the states, though. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the fun things you've done and learning things you've done and experiences you've had while you've been here the last near year? Well, right now it's a it's a lot of things that I cannot really say all at once. I'm gonna, <laughs> forget, I'm gonna forget a lot of things because it's really hard to put ten months into words or to put an experience into words, but. The experience was amazing. Uh, I got to see a lot of places. And I got to learn one valuable thing that I've learned here. Let me say two valuable things that I've learned here that really grows a, a community. One of them was the volunteering. I got, to I got to learn and experience that. And that's something that I wish I can I can relate that experience back at home and show people how much giving back is. The value of giving back. And the second thing was how culture, how culture and the, how, you, how you preserve history. Because in most of my experience, experience here, I've been visiting museums and seeing how the United States has preserved its history. And Africa has, has a lot of history but it's not being preserved, which is something that uh, I wish my country and the fellow uh, continent at large, Africa, to really preserve the history because we as a younger generation, we are getting lost with technology. We, we are not really rooted into our culture or into the things of, that we learn. So most of those things are, are dying out and we, mm. we're going into a new era. So I just wish, you know, we have more things like that. And here they're doing very well in terms of teaching uh, 
and relating the, the culture through the museums and stuff. So that's what we should do. I yeah. should come to South Africa and we should set up a, a archival project to exactly. archive African history. Yeah, uh, before my grandfather's passing or, you know, the years, um, as a family, they were planning to do his museum. And that would, that they were planning to make that also like an archive of history of his journey and history of the apartheid times and it was something he was very passionate about and also he was also looking forward into um, building a school of journalism or uh, to teach journalism and photography so he was passionate about that and excited about that let's make it happen <laughs> yeah. and, and I, in, I will in honor of him, yeah. and I, I want to say I want to put my name in the hat early to be your first international teacher to mm -hmm. come teach at the school yeah, of course. <laughs> I'll teach journalism <laughs> media podcasting yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> photography maybe huh? who knows <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I think you sh I think it should be done we sh mm -hmm. it should be an honor to him so that's something we can make happen you can make happen You've, sure. you've got this knowledge now and these connections in different places in the world. You can help create something. Of course, yeah. Or you don't have to. I mean, you have to figure out what's your path. But um, I think that the museum, hopefully they'll still do it. I hope they'll still yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Um, I know right now everybody's reeling from yeah. the loss, but yeah. it's a legacy that should definitely be kept. Yeah. So... Uh, so, let's see. What are some? Is there any standout, like standout, absolute standout moments that you saw besides the culture and and the historical preservation that we have here in the U.S.? Well, the outstanding part is the people. Um, really great. I mean. When you get to a place where you're all alone, basically, and when you get there, you are shown tremendous amount of love. You cannot really explain it. And when I got here, I was showered with love. I was, it was raining love. And I felt more welcome as ever. And people were very much helpful. Uh, in everything even walking into the grocery stores i'm new at a place and i'm a guy uh, back at home never did much groceries i don't like shopping <laughs> what so, guy does <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't like shopping so when i got here it was a confusion when i walked into the grocery stores huge huge and the choice the choice wise is very uh -huh. big yeah so I asked this one lady and she walked me through the whole store. Just some random stranger. Just some random stranger. So that's really amazing. Well, that, that uh, makes me happy to know that our, that humanity is working. Yeah. You know, because that's what it all is about. That's what all of this is about. The whole point about connections. That's yeah. being connected. And it's interesting that you bring up that idea of love. Because really that's um, that's a that's a key part of the message your grandfather sent with that picture. He sent that to the world that it mm -hmm. was a stranger yeah. who was trying to help a stranger. Exactly. And 
that gives hope to everyone. And you, as the continuation of all of that, gives hope to and to the future if that love will conquer everything. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I love you, right? I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, so we are uh, we're at the airport already. So yes. that means we have to, to cut off this, this this wonderful thing. Any last words you want everybody to know? Well, I would like to say anyone who ever comes to South Africa, I'm more than welcome to welcome you there. And uh, the same way that the United States has welcomed me, I'll do that tenfold above. <laughs> and I'm more open to it. Yeah. And thank you so much for the time. And to the CCI, I really appreciate what they've done to my life. It's a life-changing program. And also to Mama Kayla, thank you so much. Um, she's been a blessing. When ever i felt lost and everything i found comfort in talking to kayla uh she to me she i, I when i looked at her i saw my mother mm. and it's something very much precious to me and i was very touched every time i'm not much of a person who talks a lot but i looked at kayla and i saw my mother that's why i call her mama kayla well um, not a person that talks a lot. Um, who's that guy? Because we talk like yeah. you talk agnosium with me. <laughs> I bring that out of you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I am happy that I got to know you, and I look forward to coming to South Africa. Yeah. I'm planning it. I'm going to make it happen soon. And uh, after uh, the break, I'm going to bring you the poem I wrote for Jabulu's grandfather and some more retellings and some information about how internationalism and how globalism and how interconnectedness the world is. Yeah. So stay tuned, folks, and I hope you have a safe flight. Let me say it in my language. Salanikaase. And what does that mean? Uh, st stay well. Say it again. Salanikaase. So stay well, everybody. I'm not going to even try that. Say it one more time. Salanikase. Salanikase. Kase. Kathi. Salan. Oh, wait. Say it one more time. Salanikase. Salanikase. There we have it. Thanks. Back in a moment. Are you overwhelmed before you even start your day? Worse yet, is this a pattern? If you're ready to change, then stop right now and go to AwesomeAngie.com and learn how you can start your day focused and end your day feeling accomplished. Go to AwesomeAngie.com and give yourself the gift of focus. Go to AwesomeAngie.com and get focused today because she honors the awesomeness in you. Questions about identity? Send them to the Identity Guru at askthexpert at theidentityguru.net. Maybe, just maybe, we'll answer the question on the air. Wasn't that an amazing interview? It was more than an interview. It was the epitome of what this show is all about. And right now I want to share with you the poem I wrote for his grandfather to honor his life, his legacy, everything. That poem is entitled Epic Legacy, and I did write it on May 12th, 2018. Choice changed a world, both close to home and in the distance. 
Images set to life shaped personality and love. Nothing ruined, even if made anew. The path of humanity rooted in a soul most good. Inspiration across lands, defying borders, moving beyond imagination. Joy painted each moment. Each smile resting in hope of better. Movement through life, always unplanned but glorious. Generations of brilliance created in the epic legacy of one man whose choice changed everything. More than a choice changed everything, though. That's true. Seeing that photograph, meeting Jabulo, recognizing that everything in the universe is interconnected, having proof of that is an amazing thing. And everything happens for a reason, exactly as it should. Just like our next guest, happenstance. I ran into him in the hallway, and then I decided to conduct this interview. So here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome back. I am sitting here now in an Identity Guru on the Go session with a young man I had in a class of mine last year. And I just happened to run into him on campus, and I asked him if he'd sit down with me and talk about his upcoming trip to Italy. He has not ever left the country, and being that we've just talked to other people about global connections and the interconnectedness and how important that is, I figured, hey, what a great on-the-go session that would be. So, Tony, tell us what you're looking forward to or why you decided to go to Italy or what Let's start there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, I decided to go to Italy because I'm taking Italian languages classes right now, and the opportunity presented itself, and I have always wanted to study abroad um, just because I think other countries are interesting and other cultures are interesting, and I've never left the country before. I think I went on to a cruise to the Bahamas once. I don't know if that even really counts, but I had to get a passport. I've never had a passport before. I'm 25, and so, like, I am uh, definitely excited and nervous, but, like, the main reason I feel like I did it was because I just wanted to do something interesting and something different, and I knew that, like, really, if it wasn't through, like, a university study abroad program, I don't know when I really would get a chance to leave the country because it's not, like, I don't really have, like, a lot of money saved up. I'm kind of doing the student thing right now, so, like, this has seemed like my opportunity to be able to do it. I know, and they, they have great programs where it makes it somewhat affordable with the housing and the plane fare. It's all put into a group package, right? Yeah, so, like, I don't really know how much it would be just, like, if I just decided I was going to just drop everything and go to Italy right now. I don't know what my total expenses would be, but I would have to imagine it would be more than, like, five or six grand, which is how much this trip is, and that includes airfare, stay, all the traveling we're going to be doing. I mean, I'm going to be staying, doing a homestay with a Italian family. So wow. they're wish, and they're going to be providing me uh, two meals a day. So it's like I'm being, I have somewhere to live. I have at least two meals a day, and um, all of the the airfare is all paid for. So I have to imagine that like this is probably a better deal than if I was just going on my own and trying to pay for everything by myself. And you get tuition, tuitions in that price too, for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it is included. Cause like, I didn't give like the total number, but like the, 
Um, with the tuition, because I will be taking two classes while I'm there. One is, and there, it's required to take a, the language class of the country you're visiting, as well as a culture class um, related to the country. So right. basically, like how I understand it is that we're going to be taking the language classes in the morning, um, and then in the afternoon we'll be doing cultural activities that will basically be our culture class. So we, it's not like we'll be in a classroom for that class, right. but we're doing cultural activities, and that will be the other class. But um, yeah, I would say that like the tuition was like a little bit extra, like as far as like the initial thing. So it was all together around between five and six. Yeah, which is a great, great deal. And and it's all about experiment, experiential education. And for, for those listeners who don't know, experiential education is this idea where you go out into the world to get your learning rather than sit in a classroom. And while there's some classroom aspects to it, it it's really using life and the experience of life to teach you the lessons behind it. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in experiential education, as you know, because you had to participate in small yes, versions of experience. Yes, that, one of the only classes where you had to, <laughs> a lot of, most of the work was out of the classroom in the sense of going out and experiencing things, which made sense given the class that it was. Right, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've mentioned to the, my listeners that I teach sociology as well as do identity work, and so it's it's kind of exciting to see my students learn and grow in their experiential education from my class, and, and that's on a religious basis and a cultural basis. I, I'm actually hoping myself to lead a group overseas somewhere, uh, maybe using my Arabic, because as, as you know, I've been learning Arabic, but maybe it'll be, you know, since I just you know, met this wonderful young man from South Africa, maybe I'll lead a class to South Africa. Would you take that class? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I will say that uh, the, the the experiences, the cultural experiences that we did have to do in your class were probably the most rewarding part of the class. Like, Yay! yeah, I like reading. So reading some of those books was enjoyable. But it was really like for a couple of reasons, because when we went to the um, Hindu temple, I was like, one, I thought it was amazing. But two, that's also when I started to become good friends with Peter because we went together. And so like I started to build a bond within, within my, with my classmates. And then it was really like the mosque that was like really, really fascinating. And yeah. I would say I've definitely have never been to either of those places before. Right. So, and I've been to a Catholic church more times than I can count, you know? <laughs> so it's like to see the differences was definitely very upfront. And then to go to a Catholic church after that experience was unique right. to say the least. So you're you're heading out to Italy come um, next month in June. Oh uh, yeah, so June sixth through July seventh, the uh, semester is just finishing up uh, this week, and then we have the orientation for our trip on Friday, Saturday this wow. week. So it's like right away. Yeah. It's a Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, and then we'll have a couple weeks to like pack up and get ready. Cool. Well, I, I, I hope your phone has a recording app on it because I want you while you're there to maybe record some thoughts along the way. And we will share with my listeners. like a special segment. You yes. Know, like, the, uh, trip, or like hearing from him from above or something like that. Like, <laughs> little segment here and there. Yeah. So when you come back or if you're while you're there, you're welcome to email me some sound files. Yeah, I don't too. really know. Like, I guess because I've never been overseas, I have like so many questions I need to get figured out and stuff. But I'm assuming that like the only way you can really contact with people over here is through like Wi-Fi and stuff, right? Like you can't like um, text or anything like that. It depends on what service you have and what you what you do. So you probably want to go into your service. I know provider. I have like, I know I have like unlimited data for my service, like cellular data and stuff like that. But but that's here in the U.S. Yeah, I don't so know. If that's like, I don't know. What's, what's who's, who who you with? AT and T. 
AT&T, you have to, I know, and this, this might help listeners too, you have to go and get an international, upgrade it to an international openness, and then you should be able to use your phone internationally. So you, they'll tell you with all the prices, there'll be a price upcharge. So you want to go now because it might take two weeks for it to go establish. So after you get, after you, we leave, you should go and get food and then go to 18, the AT&T store right down the street. What I thought was interesting was that like my parents went to Italy a couple of years ago and they said that they, when they went, they um, like contacted their bank ahead of time and got like a bunch of euros or mm -hmm. whatever. But when I was um, at a dinner for the trip and I was talking to the, like the directors and stuff and they advised me to just – and the pamphlet too, it just advises you to just bring two credit cards and use ATMs nonstop. So just like take $200 out at the airport or something and then like – you know, go from there. Yeah. You, well, when did they go to Italy? Probably years ago. Well, I mean, they go every year for, or every two years with a trip, with a study abroad trip at least. So, um, I would say that like, that's what the pamphlets. Oh, you mean your, I was meeting your parents. Oh, my your parents. parents. <laughs> okay. Okay. My parents went in 2014. So that it was, was a while. It was about four years ago. Yeah, yeah. so there, there's been a lot that's changed because it's safer in many ways to travel with just a credit card and, and, and getting cash out at an ATM. Thing you have to worry about with that is there might be conversion charges that you yeah, that come up yeah. but the, i mean you might have that at your bank too so yeah, go ask yeah. your bank but you'd also don't want to travel with a lot of cash that was so. another thing is like is like i don't want a thousand dollars in euros in my bag no all no times. yeah having the credit cards maybe go and pick up some travelers checks at your bank you know have some travelers checks and then when you get there get cash out i agree i agree with the programs so. yeah I, I know that like i know like i said they'll be providing a couple meals but i mean i'll be buying bus and train tickets every day and probably lunch every day and so like i'll definitely need um some money here and there and stuff and i like I, I know that like a lot of the trip is a lot of organized stuff so i'm not really sure what to expect as far as like what i have to pay for and what i don't have to pay for but i you know i should be ready to well, I would love you to, like I said, record your experience as you're experiencing it. You know, if you have an interesting day, record it. Send me, and, and you should be able to get on email over there. So send me sound files. You have my email. I yeah. know that. So send me sound files, and, and I can try to incorporate it while you're gone. And But when you come back, I can also incorporate it, uh, you know. Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely do that. That sounds yeah, like a blast, actually. That so. will be you. So I now officially have my uh, first correspondent correspondent for for the show uh so stay tuned we're going to hear more from tony and when he comes back we will sit down and have a long interview yeah this this on the go really session has, out. <laughs> yeah <laughs> this on the go session has become a little longer than i wanted but that's okay because it's all about the global connections that we're making and and how you go so i hope you have a very safe trip and Thank you. and i look forward to hearing your yeah. recording yeah thanks for having me on anytime Okay, thanks so much. And we'll be right back with another on-the-go session. It's your identity. It's your brand. How are you making your bold statement? Contact the identity guru, Bonnie Jean Alfred, today to make your bold statement through creative coaching, writing, editing, and keynote presentations. Visit either alfredenterprises.net or theidentityguru.net or simply call 630-752-9434. Again, that's alfredenterprises.net or theidentityguru.net or simply call 630-752-9434. Step into your bold future right now. Hello, friends. I am on the go at College of DuPage with the amazing Sue Kirby, who coordinates study abroad here. And she's going to tell us a little bit about what she does, and then I have a couple questions for her. Thanks, Bonnie Jean. Um, 
As Bonnie Jean said, I'm the coordinator of study abroad at College of DuPage. I work out of the office called Field Studies and Experiential Learning and Study Abroad. And the whole idea of experiential learning is learning by doing, hands-on learning. And so the study abroad piece is really um, a, a good match with learning by doing and hands-on learning because you immerse yourself in other cultures and in other languages and you get experiences firsthand when you do that. So my role here is to work with students who are interested in the study abroad experience in trying to help them find programs that meet their academic needs and their professional goals and their budget and their personal expectations. I imagine that can be tough because not everybody has a few thousand dollars laying around to take a trip. <laughs> it's true, um, but we work with students individually so we can make things work for them. Um, and we also work with students in our office to find scholarships that pay for study abroad. Right. Yeah. I, I ran into one of my past students this morning who's going to Italy this summer and he let me interview him and he hopefully will give me a blow by blow over his time. So he was at, earlier in this episode, we talked to him and he talked about what his excitement to go on the trip. Yeah. So his program is a language immersion program and he will be taking a full semester's worth of Italian in one month in country with our faculty. Wow. A full year. So a full semester. A full in semester. One month. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. an intensive language study program. But I would hope that being in Italy, he, it would come to him because he's immersed in it every day. And they also live with host families who only speak Italian to them at breakfast and at dinner. So that enhances the experience. I still want to go on one of these trips or, or run one of these trips, but eventually in time. What is the most important thing that you think students get from taking one of these trips? Um, I think study abroad in general just helps students get out of their bubble and out of the community that they are very comfortable with. Um, coming to college does that to students as well, but when you add an international experience on top of it, it broadens their thinking. It lets them see that everyone isn't alike around the world. Um, it helps them solidify what interests them, and sometimes it helps them solidify what they're not interested in. So, you know, we've had students that do a study abroad experience and can come back and say, I, I now know I want to change my focus to something else. So in both ways, it's giving the students experiences that help them grow to make decisions on their future. And I, I know early in the episode, and, and we have Kayla coming on later to talk about the CCI program, which is our only incoming exchange students pretty much unless we have students who are staying with family or something along those lines because we don't have the capacity for housing here at College of DuPage, which is a common thread in, in many community colleges. Am I right? That's that? correct. So would you see a potential goal for community colleges across the U.S. to be more open to incoming study abroad students or not just the outgoing? Well, community colleges... A lot of them are doing this, but those are schools that have housing options. Um, and that's something that has to come from the top down, whether international students is a priority. So, Well, right. well I mean, and I, I think the international aspect in our global world is becoming more of a necessity. Right. I think what's important to remember, though, is College of DuPage is extremely diverse, even without recruiting international students. Yeah. And so to take advantage of the cultural diversity on campus can happen without recruiting international students. I agree 100%. And I do think that the community around the college is growing in diversity even more. That's why I decided to take Arabic. Our, the Arabic culture in general has grown like 50% just in the last year. It's crazy. And that's, the, that's just one culture. <laughs> so it's really kind of exciting. So if someone's interested in, in doing a study abroad, what's the first step if they live in 
well, if they live in the College of DuPage community, what's the first step? But if they don't live in this community, because this is a global podcast, so if they live somewhere else, what can they do? You know, so sort of on the two levels. Right. So the first step is research, of course. It's um, working with the study abroad provider at the school that you go to, whether it's College of DuPage or anywhere, um, to see what's available um, for academic programs at your college that would allow you to earn credit at your college while you're studying abroad. So research, and, and, and research is hard to do without the background of how your institution in particular runs these programs. So my advice to you would be seek out your study abroad office, ask the basic questions of how you get started, and they each institution would have a different means of starting the research based on how they process study abroad. Here, once I meet with a student, I send them away with a lot of really good information on how to research on the, on the computer specific programs. What I always tell students is to look primarily at four things. One is obviously location. Every country and every location right. is going to give you a different experience. The second is the courses that you can take, whether they fit your needs to earn credit at your college, here COD. The third is the cost, because every program is different in cost, and it, right. the range is huge depending on where you are and how long you go and what your uh, uh, area of, of interest is. And the third one is the housing situation, or the fourth one is the housing, is every program is different in what kind of housing they help set up for the students. So location, courses, cost, and housing are kind of the four target things to research to try to find a program that you're interested in. Once you come up with a few, you go back to your study abroad office and really sit down with the experts and try to sort through the details of those programs to figure out which one in particular is the best one for you. Wow, that's a lot of information. And I so appreciate your sharing that with my listeners and the friends around the world who are interested in experiential learning and studying globally. Yeah. Uh, I thank you. Thank you very much, Sue. And we will be right back with Kayla, who is the coordinator for the CCI program, which is the program that brought Jabalo, Jabalo here, who talked earlier in the episode. Are you overwhelmed even before you start your day? Even worse, is it a pattern? If you really want to change now, go to awesomeangie.com and learn how to start your day focused and end your day feeling accomplished. Go to awesomeangie.com and give yourself that gift of focus. Go to awesomeangie.com and get focused today because she honors the awesomeness in you. Questions about identity? Send them to the Identity Guru at asktheexpert at theidentityguru.net. Maybe, just maybe, we'll answer the question on the air. Welcome back. That was really wonderful to hear from both Tony and Sue about the importance of global travel. When I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to England and I had to turn it down because my mother wouldn't allow me to. She didn't see a point in it. It was a waste of money. If I had any regrets in life, I would say not going to England then would have been a regret, but it wasn't my choice. It was somebody else's. So it's wonderful to hear about parents who are supportive of their children going and traveling and doing all the things they need to do. That's even with Jabulo coming to America, with with Tony going over to Italy, and with all the people that Sue has helped ensure that they get to go and travel. Right now, though, I want to turn to another interview I did with Kayla, or Mama Kayla, as I as you met her briefly in 
Jabulo's interview earlier, she's going to tell us a little bit about the CCI program more fully. So here you go. Let's talk to Kayla. We are here now with Kayla, who is the director of the CCI program. Program coordinator. Program <laughs> coordinator at, at College of DuPage. And she, I'm going to have her explain what she does because it's just so much easier to get her identity as the coordinator from her. So, Well, as the program coordinator for the CCI program, I wear many hats. I am mother in charge, I am accountant, I am trip planner, I, I am um, the person who helps them, you know, with their academic planning, um, I help them with any personal struggles that they have, um, I handle all the logistics for everything that they're doing, so um, there's a lot of things, a lot of record keeping, so yeah, many hats. <laughs> and, and, you, and you really get to know the kids that come in, right? Yes, it's, it's wonderful in the sense that one of the things that we require is that they meet with me um, twice a month um, for what we call PC meetings, and it's a chance for us to connect, for me to get to know them better, um, for me to talk to them about what their aspirations are, and to help lead them towards their goals while they're here. Okay, PC isn't politically correct. No, no. <laughs> program coordinator. <laughs> PC meetings is what we technically call them. <laughs> I, I I couldn't resist. I know, you know. <laughs> I know. But they yes. So the, those are some one of the ways that I get to know them on an individual basis. And then when we go out on our outings, I get to know them more as a group with their group dynamics. So. Now, Jabulo was talking about it being the community college initiative mm -hmm. and it's through the state department. Yes. So can you talk a little bit more about that as an initiative? Why, why they've created it? What's the purpose behind yeah, it? The and, purpose and behind it is, you know, cultural exchange. And one of the things that they realized was that, um, international students were usually more drawn to four-year schools, and so community colleges didn't always have as much access to international students, and so this was one way they thought that they could internationalize the campuses, but also provide a service for these students and promote cultural exchange. So the students are on a one-year program. And usually they're um, trying to aspire to receive some type of certification in their area of study. And while they're here, they also do volunteer work and they also do an internship or professional development piece. So there's a lot of things that they have to accomplish while they're here. And, you know, another huge piece that we hope is that they'll be sharing their culture with others. I can tell you I learned a lot about the different cultures from the kids I got to I call them kids. They're grownups. They're, they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're 22, 25, yeah. you know, various ages, but many of them, it's the first time they've ever left their own country. And there are, there are more than just college of DuPage that has a program, correct? Right. So across so the country. We have um, two programs in Arizona, one in Mesa and one in Scottsdale. Um, we have a program in Houston. We have a program in um, Orlando. We have two programs in Virginia um, at the two NOVA campuses, Alexandria and Annandale. Um, we have one in Boston, and we have one um, at Northampton Community College, which is in Pennsylvania, wow. and also Kirkwood in Iowa. Wow. That's a lot of – and there's about 100 students, correct? Yes. So usually about 14 to 16 at each community college. 
and and they're studying anything from you know architecture to media to science and in most cases you were saying that they get a certificate and the idea mm -hmm. is that that's supposed to launch them into bettering their stay when they get home and they, they have to put in a couple years of service at home applying whatever they their program right, was right you know the goal um the the bureau of educational and cultural affairs which is this a section of the State Department that sponsors this program you know, has a goal for the students to give back to their communities to share what they learn and um, to to give that knowledge back to their communities and to help in certain ways and they they you know do a lot of leadership training through this program and you know their their hope is that you know a lot of these young people will go back and be some of the leaders of the future in their countries well I, I can definitely see it and it's it's and, and, and the application process is pretty rigorous. It's not just like a apply, done, that's it. You have to go through all sorts of security checks, all sorts of background checks, and it, and it's pretty much, you know, being covered by the State Department. So, you, I mean, they're putting a lot into these kids. They want to make sure. And my understanding is that the, the competition is fierce in many of these countries. You know, there are a lot of applicants. And so to be chosen <clears throat> is really an honor for these students. Yeah, and uh, and it's not every country in the world is eligible. I mean, somewhere like England, someone from England wouldn't have access to no. this because it's they 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 try to focus on um, you know, areas of the world um, where they see a need, where they see people who are from backgrounds that are underprivileged who can really benefit from this type of program. So that's really where their focus is at this time. So kind of like the second world where it's emerging countries that are coming out of third world existence, maybe even for 50 years. I mean, some countries have been out of that for a long time, right. but they're still not quite in the first world. So they're emerging into the first world. So in sociology, we like to say second world countries or emerging nations. So countries where there's some struggle that's left them behind the game and hopefully we can help them step into the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just think that's a beautiful thing. And I love that College of DuPage is part of it. And this year was their sixth year, correct? Sixth year at the College of DuPage. And the program in itself has been going on how long? Ten years. Ten years. So not a huge long program. So almost more time at COD than, you know, than half of the time that it's been in existence. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a thousand people around mm -hmm. the world who've learned right. from this program and and the CCI program really tries to network with their alumni, and they actually have hired people to be like the alumni coordinator at our national office. And so they're putting together a lot of initiatives for the students and just recently rolled out some courses that they can take online. So they're always looking towards the betterment of our students. and. Um, you know, they're always trying to link students together if they're doing, you know, types of work that is similar. Sometimes then they can bounce ideas off of each other. So they really try to build that alumni network and, and you know, use it as a way to, to help, you know, the students who are coming back. So. And it's not just the students that get touched and the communities they go home to. It's also the communities they're part of. I mean, you know, my story, of mm -hmm. course, but it's not just me it's everyone i i've talked with other social so other hosts other students and they all feel like this is an important part of their life i had it's truly i had a wonderful um 
response from Joan DePiero here at the <laughs> College of DuPage, who's the Community Relations Specialist. And I don't have her whole quote here. I just took a piece of it from my, um, my graduation ceremony brochure. But she said, the CCI students share their experiences and cultures with the COD community, helping to broaden our understanding of the world around us and strengthen our ties to other cultures. So, you know, it, it, it touches everyone. And, you know, their volunteer work that they do while they're here really touches the COD community because they do a lot for, for COD and some of the different causes that we champion here. So, um, really amazing young men and women. And I think that our College of DuPage campus is um, so much more the better for having them here. Well, I agree. And, and I know Joan, so I can actually see her saying that. And it's it has been a true honor to be part of this program and to I know it's helped shape my identity uh, a lot this year. And, you know, I look forward to seeing who our next batch of students I'm and, super excited and, about it. <laughs> and what lesson, what cosmic yes. message that it's going to send us next year. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you just don't know, you know, what lives will be touched by this next group mm -hmm. and. There seems to be a lot of interest around the college, and that's really encouraging. And um, it's it's tough to say goodbye to this group, um, but we know that they're on to bigger and better things, and that their yeah. lives will be forever changed by this experience. Do the kids get to choose their own sc the schools, or they they it's it's whatever their program is, and you know, it just they randomly they try to, they try to match them up with the the strongest program. So um, since we don't offer agriculture here, then students who are interested in agriculture tend to go to Kirkwood or Valencia. It just depends on, you know, who has the best program for that. So we really try to match them up with, you know, um, areas where they're going to be successful and have the most support. So um, that's definitely one of the things that we try to do. Right. And, they, and the, the goal is to make sure they all get certificates. But then it's not always possible. There are some programs that just don't allow for a certificate with just a year of mm -hmm. training. But, you know, one of the important things is always to, to you know, make sure that they um, have the official transcripts, you know, sent to them right away so that whatever school they happen to be working with back home can, you know, transfer those credits in and use them to help them succeed in whatever degree they're pursuing at home. Right. Well, I appreciate you sharing with the listeners this wonderful program. It's small. It's a small part of the State Department, but it's a but it's, it's a, an important piece. It's an important sure. big piece that has great impact both here in the US and overseas. And it really is about building global connections and Absolutely. putting roots around the world mm -hmm. so that we have always these interconnectedness. Yeah. So thank you. You're and welcome. we will be right back with our close. Thank you so much, listeners. It's your identity. It's your brand. How are you making your bold statement? Contact the identity guru, Bonnie Jean Alfred, today to make your bold statement through creative coaching, writing, editing, and keynote presentations. Visit either alfredenterprises.net or theidentityguru.net or simply call 630-752-9434. Again, that's alfredenterprises.net or theidentityguru.net or simply call 630-752-9434. Step into your bold future right now. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to our episode where we explored global connectedness and how 
building roots is more than just literal roots in the ground. It's about the interconnectedness between the hearts of people, the growth that we learn from experiences and the continued experiences across all sorts of everything, wherever you travel, wherever you go. And it really is about the people. It has been an honor to bring the stories of our guests today to you and to share my story of something that is so integral to my identity to you. And the recognition that there are roots. And like the song, No Roots by Alice Merton says, you know, we build things, we dig holes, we are constantly going through life, and we'll go back to those things that we created in the early years. So to end our show, we have for you the song, No Roots. I want you to listen to it and really hear it. So enjoy, and until next time, have a good week.